Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. All right, welcome. How's everybody this morning? Cool. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Okay. Well, my name is Emily Snyder, and I'm on the preaching team here at the Vineyard. Uh, If you're joining us on the live stream, welcome from wherever you are. If you're here in the room with us this morning, we're so glad to see you. Uh, We're going to be continuing our series of prophetic community. How many of you have been able to catch at least one or two of these messages? Ray was the first one with his hand up. Look at that. Star pupil right there. No, he just happened to be who I was looking at. It's fine. Uh, It's been such a good series, and it's been extremely encouraging for me to remember that as I come to church and as I do life with you people, uh, we're doing so much more than just coming to church and doing life. We're really sowing in to eternity together. So we're going to continue this morning. Uh, Adam started out in 1 Samuel chapter 10. And when he first said that, I was like, okay, let's see where this is going to go. But he was looking at the story of Saul. When Saul was anointed king of Israel by Samuel, the spirit of the Lord did not descend on him in that one-on-one moment of interaction, right? When he was anointed. But what happened? When did it happen? When he met the larger prophetic community as well. Uh, so really what, we're, what I have taken from the past several weeks is that the community you attach yourself to has a significant impact on the life you end up living. Yeah. In, in other words, communities carry a gravity all of their own. They are a force that impacts you depending on what you choose to make yourself a part of. So here's the direction we're going to go this morning. Just because we now carry this mantle of prophetic community does not mean that we have somehow leveled up out of life's hardships and pain. Oh, that that were true, right? We'd probably have a lot more people at church if that were true. Uh, So today we're going to talk about how we interact with hope and pain within a prophetic community. Can you guys go there with me today? Okay, I want to give a caveat. I've never given a a disclaimer before I've preached a sermon, but I kind of felt like I needed to. Um, And they probably teach you not to do this in preaching school. I guess. Um, but here's, here's what I want to say today. I am not standing up here and saying, here's why pain exists. Here's why bad things happen. I don't know. If I did know, I would be very rich because here's what I would do. I would write a series of best-selling books and then I would charge people a ton of money to come to my conferences. So I wouldn't be here right now. Okay. If I knew the answer to that question. So I'm just going to put that out there. We don't know. If somebody tells you they do know, they're lying. And that's not the goal 
of this morning's sermon. So, what I want us to look at, and I really want us to zoom in on like Vineyard Campbellsville in the year, I almost said 2020, in the year 2021, it's July, I should know what year it is. In the year 2021, having had mm, the strangest year collectively of our entire lives, how do we interact with our own hope and pain? How do we interact with each other's hope and pain? And how do we, as a collective group, interact with the hope and pain in our community? So that's where we're going to go today. So I think, first of all, it helps to know the DNA of the community that you're a part of. Uh, If you look around the room this morning, hang on, let me make sure this statement is correct. Yes, there's lots of new people who have started coming to our church in the middle of a pandemic. Somehow we grew. That's amazing. That's actually amazing. So high five you came to church during a plague. Well done. (laughs) Um, But within any community, and this applies here at the Vineyard as well, the things that we highly value are like the weights that build up our spiritual muscle as a prophetic community. I'm not a gym person, but I think that metaphor still works. Okay. So just as a refresher, here is what we value at the Vineyard. You ready? And if I'm missing one, I mean, you can shout it out. We value prayer, like big time. We value encouraging one another with prophetic words. We value worship. We value radical generosity with our time, our talent, our money, our other resources. We value everyone having a seat at the table And we value life together. Just in case you were unaware, that's the community you've attached yourself to. It's a good one. Now, when things are running smoothly, these values can be practiced and sewn into quite naturally and enjoyably. It's real fun to come to church and listen to a great worship set and just, you know, feel the love of God. When the equilibrium is interrupted, however, when there are maybe members of our little community here who are like barely treading water, those ripples extend beyond that person or those people or that family or whoever and really can impact every single person in our community. If we expand that imagery further, when the equilibrium of our town or maybe our state or our nation becomes interrupted, like a global pandemic hits, political divisiveness is at an all-time high, so are racial tensions. You get the picture. Those ripples start coming out at such like a frequent frequent rate that there's no way we as a prophetic community aren't also going to start bobbing in those waters. So the question 
that we have to ask ourselves is this. Are we going to become a place that joins in the fray and just helps create a tidal wave to engulf everyone around us? Or are we going to be a place, a community, where the waters come and just like Jesus did in that boat in the Gospels, they are still? Here's what I want for us to hear this morning. In a prophetic community, the way that we interact with hope and pain should look different than the way the world interacts with hope and pain because we can choose to dig down deep into that DNA that's that's part of our community and I think this is in 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 keeping with the concept of being a peculiar people okay okay I want to talk about hope for a minute how many of you say that there's some people in the room are really excited for the Olympics to be starting. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, me too. I know you are, Tiffany. You're like, you're there. Uh, I'm so excited for the Olympics to be starting, finally. Here is my hope for the Olympics. I know there's other sports. I want to watch Simone Biles kick butt, right? We all do. We hope that for her. She, I'm sure, is hoping that for herself. But right now, like it hasn't happened yet, all we have is hope, right? There is an element of uncertainty when it comes to hope. I don't like that, okay? I am a planner. My plans have plans. My husband can attest to this. Um... And when you like to order your life in such a way, it can actually make it really difficult to make space for hope. But within the prophetic community, we already know what's going to happen, right? One of our like core beliefs is that Jesus has already won. So like Adam said, I think earlier in this series, We already know, for example, that mercy has won. So go ahead and start living into mercy now. We already know that ultimately our hope can be found in Jesus. So go ahead and start living into that hope now. Here is what hope looks like in the prophetic community. It goes from this kind of like nebulous, like, oh, I hope everything's going to be okay, to a living, breathing, loving, resurrected person. So this doesn't negate the flip side of hope. Okay, I'm getting to the bad part now. No, I'm kidding. There are precipitating events in our lives that leave a hole that only hope can fill. Oftentimes, I think we want to approach pain and hope as like two separate things. Like if there's pain over here, then we're waiting for hope. And if we have hope, then we're feeling no pain, like that kind of thing. But I think the way that we approach them as prophetic community, you have to say it in that voice too, okay? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's the voice I do when I'm making fun of my kids. Okay. We want to approach those concepts as separate, but within a prophetic community, I think they're two sides of the same coin. Uh, Go ahead and pull up our, our, we're finally getting to the Bible today, Um, our scripture this morning, 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, we're going to read a little bit. 
For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God not ourselves, bless you. (laughs) We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, I love this part, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. We're going to skip down a little bit. Verse 15. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. And that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying Our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone But the things we cannot see will last forever. Go ahead and pull up verse 8 again, if you don't care. I see this as almost like a call and response of pain and hope. We're pressed on every side by troubles, pain. But we are not crushed, hope. We are perplexed, pain. But not driven to despair, hope. Go ahead to verse 9. We are hunted down, pain, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. We are not destroyed. Verse 10. I'm going to read it again. It's so good. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus, hope, may also be seen in our bodies. Guys, this is yet another example of how in the new kingdom, The new way of doing things, which Paul refers to in the first verse of this chapter. He says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. God chooses the weak and breakable things, us, to be what carries his most precious message of hope into the world. So pain reminds us that we are indeed very ordinary right? Like having treasures and jars of clay, our call is to take that message of hope into our community using lives and bodies that can and will carry pain and often break. So this leads me to my next question. Well, how do we do that, right? How do we put this into action? How do we bear testimony to the hope of the Lord within bodies and living lives that are so easily breakable? Well, running all through Paul's letters, and I think really through the whole Bible, is this idea of things that are seen 
and things that are unseen. It's really easy to see the trouble or the pain in front of us. It's usually like happening to us, <laughs> and we're asking, why is this happening to us? Okay, uh, It's harder to see those unseen, eternal things, and I think that's why we're so often reminded in Scripture not to lose sight of it. Let's check out verse 18 again. Sorry, I'm sending you on a rabbit trail today. Okay, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So a question I've been asking myself lately is like, in a prophetic community, how do we hold space for each other's hardships, pain, or difficult life circumstances. I don't want to just tell somebody, well, everything happens for a reason. And nobody wants to hear that either, right? I mean, unless you do, then say, just tell me that. Uh, well, I think the answer is we not only sit with people in pain and leave it at that, like, okay, I did my duty. Part of the community, I sat with them during their pain. We remind them of the hope that we inexplicably all carry. Uh, and I said before, hope's really difficult for me. It's difficult for me to like make space for that. But I would love to get to a point where hope is like the first and most accessible thing for me to grasp onto when pain and trouble surround me, whether it's my own or somebody else's. And as a prophetic community, this is what we can offer to each other, but also to the world outside this building. And here's the other thing. When I'm going through a hard time, I don't want somebody to make me feel better. I have at least one child who is like that too. I'm learning. They don't want to be made to feel better. They don't want to hear it. And that's also kind of the whole point. Like you can be unsure of how something is going to work out, yet confident in the hope we have in Jesus. So when I received a cancer diagnosis... I was not sure that I was going to be okay. And the prophetic community around me here made space for that uncertainty while reminding me that I can be certain of my hope in Jesus. When a doctor told me, don't get your hopes up for starting a family, I didn't. And the prophetic community around me here made space for that but also reminded me that hope in Jesus will never come back void regardless of an outcome that we can't see yet. Okay, but also, hope is not just reserved for the big, scary medical things. (laughs) I realized as I was writing those examples down, I was like, these are kind of extreme. So we're living this life together, right? And not everything is a big, scary, you know, something or other. A lot of life is pretty mundane. I kind of like it that way. So carrying hope in a prophetic community can look like this. And guys, I'm just drawing from my own examples here. I fully acknowledge, like, you guys could, everybody could come up here and tell a different story. But for me, it could look like this. Okay, I have small children. I am unsure of whether I am doing a good job parenting them. Remains to be seen. They're not adults yet. And this year, well, uh, let's see, several months ago, we 
added a new member to the family. And it's been really hard. You know, that's like just an adjustment to make. And just like in 2 Corinthians 4.18, what I need and what I've received is members of my prophetic community reminding me of the things not seen, the things that will last forever, when the things in front of me are small and little and sweaty and sticky and very needy. So sitting with friends and family or someone you just met in a community group, because that happens, listening to their pain. It's not an invitation to help make them feel better. Like, that's my first instinct. How can I help you? How can I make this go away (laughs) immediately? It is an invitation, though, to meet them with the hope that we have in Jesus. And when we walk in that path, just like Saul when he met the prophetic community after he was anointed king, the most hopeless, I fully believe this, the most hopeless, broken person can walk through those doors and when met by this community, can feel hope bubble up too. Because it's what we carry with us. So I'm going to give you guys like maybe just three ways to apply this today. The first one, it's a little uncomfortable. Buckle up. One way that we can make space for hope and pain, and this takes a certain amount of like emotional maturity on our parts, but how many of you in the room realize that sometimes you can be the source of trouble in somebody else's life? Yeah. Oh, and if you, like me, sit there and you're like, well, Nope, nope, pretty sure I'm not. (laughs) Start in your home. Talk to your spouse and your kids or your roommate or whoever lives with you. And then talk to the last three people you texted. And if it's a group chat, that counts as one, okay? Sometimes it's not intentional. I would hope that most people do not want to be a source of pain or trouble for somebody else. But that's where it comes down to acknowledging the part that you play in somebody's life. Repent and be open to reconciliation. And God, I think true reconciliation is an immense act of hope because it wouldn't be needed unless things have gone drastically wrong within a relationship to begin with. Now, here's the other hard word. As a church, we need to be able to acknowledge the parts we may have played in trouble or pain, whether in our local community or as part of, like, the current faith narrative at large. We need to get serious about that. And if... There is some way that we have caused trouble or pain for surrounding community around us. And listen, I'm not like up here making thinly veiled references. I don't know, okay? Um, But we do need to repent from that and just ask the Lord to reconcile. Okay, moving on. Uh, Cultivate discernment. I heard a really great quote this week. Um, 
I've been thinking about it all week. Here it is. It doesn't take a gift of discernment to see where the world, the flesh, and the devil are at work. Anyone can see that. It takes discernment to see where God is at work in the midst. So we can and should cultivate discernment. We can vocalize to each other where we see God at work in the midst of trouble. And where we see God at work in the midst of trouble is a surefire way to help the hope of the Lord break in to a situation. And lastly, and I'm really big on this, I think it's so important, tell your story. I love to hear stories of people who have gone through it and come out the other side. Your story of pain or trouble is actually hope for the rest of us. And just like Paul said in 2 Corinthians, it brings glory to the Lord for us to hear it coming from a weak and fragile vessel. I'm not calling names, but from a weak and fragile vessel such as yourself so that we can give glory to the Lord alongside you for what he has done in your life. And here's the other thing. It doesn't have to just be stories of like winning, 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 okay? I want to hear stories, uh, and I know that there are probably several people in this room who have stories of something like they're still waiting for, right? We need to hear those stories as well. Not to feel better about ourselves, like, oh, at least... (laughs) At least things aren't that bad. <laughs> Not at all. Um, but to help make space for that unfulfilled hope or for that pain or trouble. And especially coming out of like, you know, COVID, things are opening back up. I was talking to somebody even this week and she shared something and I walked away thinking, gosh, every time I talk to somebody right now and like learn something that has maybe been going on in their life the past couple months, it's a gift. Because we're all just learning how to, like, reconnect again. So tell your story. Share your story. And help, I don't know, just help each other. uh, Give glory to the Lord for what he's done and what he is going to do. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.